Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Oh, gee. Make some noise! <laughs> Inside Boxing Live 11 is here with guests Tom Loeffler, Dave Portnoy, and Roy Jones Jr. Loeffler broke down the fine points of the Triple G Canelo fight as well as the selection process on the judges. Uh, Portnoy was an interesting interview as we talked about uh, his new rough and rowdy fight league, the state of boxing, and who in the media he would like to fight. And finally, rounding out the show, the legendary Roy Jones Jr. joined the program as we went over his illustrious career. Inside Boxing Live 11. Let's go. everybody welcome into another episode of inside boxing live episode number 11 i'm your host dan canobio and we have a big one for you today our guests include tom loffler he'll be joining the program to talk about the triple g canelo uh, the deal that was made very pivotal in making this fight also dave portnoy el prez the founder of barstool he will talk to us about his acquisition of rough and rowdy they have another show coming up uh, Friday, February 16th from Morgantown. That's a very interesting uh, interview. So you don't want to miss that one. And rounding out the show is the legendary Roy Jones Jr. We all saw Roy fight his final fight of his career on the UFC Fight Pass last week. We'll talk to Roy about uh, the fight. We'll talk about his, some of his career highlights and what's next uh, for, for Roy Jones. But in addition to that, it's also fight week. We have uh, a bunch of fights this weekend. It's a very busy weekend as the the 2018 uh, schedule is really starting to heat up. Uh, Saturday night on Showtime, we'll see Danny Garcia uh, taking on Brandon Rios. Uh, should be an interesting fight for Danny Garcia. He wants to get himself back into the welterweight uh, picture. Uh, the World Boxing Super Series uh, continues their hot streak, and this is a fight that a lot of people are looking forward to. George Groves taking on Chris Eubank Jr., super middleweight division, World Boxing Super Series uh, semifinal. Uh, that one's going to be great, and uh, what we saw of Gassiev and Dordikos, if it's anything like that, uh, we're in for a real treat. And uh, Friday night on ESPN, Ray Beltran uh, fights uh, for a title and also for his U.S. citizenship. That's over on ESPN. So uh, we're planning a big show for you today. Tom Loeffler, Dave Portnoy, Roy Jones. We got Twitter hitters. We got In Case You Missed It. All that and more. But first, upcoming here, uh, first guest of the show is going to be Tom Loeffler of K2 Promotions. All guests on Inside Boxing Live appear via the Jack Doyle's phone line, located just one block away from Penn Station and Madison Square Garden. Jack Doyle's is the perfect place to uh, get a drink before or after the big fight or game. And uh, with that, we'll bring in our first guest here on Inside Boxing Live. He's uh, Tom Loeffler of K2 Promotions, 360 Promotions, the man behind Triple G, Gennady Golovkin. And on uh, May 5th, we will get the mega fight that we all wanted. Uh, Triple G Canelo, the rematch, and Tom, you were pivotal in uh, getting that fight done. It was a, uh, a longer negotiations than uh, we thought it would be. Uh, take us through uh, those negotiations, and, and was it uh, as long and, and as arduous as, uh, as it played out? 
You know, uh, first, it's, it's great to be on the show. Um, you know, we're excited about 2018. Uh, we got the Superfly show coming up uh, February 24th at the Forum. And then, you know, as you mentioned, uh, Cinco de Mayo with the rematch with Triple G and Canelo. Uh, you know, from a promotional standpoint, I would have uh, really liked to have uh, the fight done last year. We could have announced it and uh, already made plans for tickets and uh, uh, you know everything uh, that goes along with uh, promoting the event it did drag on at the end um, you know finalizing the, the the last few details on both sides but um, I think uh, you know the fans are happy that it's actually happening and and Cinco de Mayo was always the date that was uh, contemplated for it so so we're excited uh, for Cinco de Mayo this year. Was there ever a time where, you know, this kind of dragged out where you thought maybe, you know, I got to think about getting Gennady a fight here. You know, as a guy that likes to stay active, um, was there ever a time where you thought maybe this fight would not get done for May 5th and you maybe had to go to plan B here? We, we did have uh, two other dates reserved with HBO, uh, one in March, one in April. Um, also, we had uh, arenas held on those dates, but um, the priority for our side was to... Uh, to uh, complete the rematch and uh, I know for Canelo uh, and Golden Boy it was their priority as well it's almost like uh, both guys need each other at this point because uh, Canelo uh, made his biggest payday by far by fighting uh, Triple G and uh, the same the same with Triple G so uh, to put on this type of a mega fight you, you need uh, they, they need each other and they need each other's fan base um, it's it, they did the highest number uh, for non-American uh, pay-per-view uh, with their last fight and, and we set the record for the third highest uh, gate in boxing history so um, for, for those type of numbers to be generated they, they need to, to uh, fight each other now you talk about how this negotiations kind of dragged out a little bit and towards the end you had to just uh, go over some finer points but there is one point on this deal that has not been finalized and it's a question I'm sure you've been asked numerous times here is uh, where the fight's going to take place uh, it seems like we all the front runner for this fight is Las Vegas because they seem to get all the big fights. But it, uh, you've been said that the MSG, Madison Square Garden, is making a strong push. So is there any updates on where this fight could land? The Garden is definitely making a big push. They have that date reserved uh, for this potential fight. Uh, so I got to sit down with uh, Golden Boy and, and uh, just go over all the details of uh, each offer. Um, you know, it is hard to beat uh, Vegas, uh, especially on Cinco de Mayo weekend. Um, for everything that they offer, it's uh, really become you know, pretty much a boxing holiday, um, you know, for the big fights on that weekend. Uh, at the same time, uh, I think the Garden realizes out of all the big fights that they've been interested in since Triple G has fought there six times in the past, and he likes uh, fighting uh, in New York City and, and at the Garden, uh, that this is one fight that they would have uh, an opportunity to uh, to be in the discussion. And, um, you know, we, it's always nice to mix up things, uh, but it, it really will come down, you know, for the fighters uh, what the uh, financial details will be uh, on where, where the location is going to wind up. I mean, as a New Yorker, I'm really hoping it does play out at Madison Square Garden. I've seen Gennady fight there numerous times. It's, it's his arena. And uh, with that being said do you really see deep down inside canelo making the trip cross country to new york into a, a, a quote-unquote uh triple g's home arena 
Well, that's a that's a whole different discussion. Whether uh, Canelo will agree, if the Garden uh, comes up with a bigger offer, if uh, Canelo will agree uh, to going to New York or insist on going to Vegas, where he's had some favorable um, treatment by uh, judges, not only in the last fight but in uh, Mayweather fight. Uh, you know, it's uh, you know, you're dealing with different commissions. There's different rules, different uh, officials involved, and so there's a lot more involved than just the the arena. So. Um, we'll, we'll have to cross that bridge uh, when we get to it. Uh, Triple G has proven he'll fight anyone, anywhere. Um, I think he's uh, fought the most, uh, or sold out the most arena, arenas of any active uh, boxer right now, any active champion. He fought. He sold out to O2. He sold out to MSG. Uh, as you mentioned, he sold out the Forum in LA. He sold out T-Mobile um, in Vegas in his last fight. So uh, for him, it's not as important uh, where the fight takes place. Naturally, he'd like to uh, satisfy his uh, his uh, East Coast fans. But um, you know whether uh, Canelo is willing to do that. That's a, that's a different story. All right, we're talking with Tom Laughlin right now. K2 Promotions, 360 Promotions, joining us on the Jack Doyle's Party Line. And, uh, and Tom, you brought up the judges, and it took about about four minutes into the uh, interview. And uh, <laughs> it's something I was going to plan on asking you, and I'm sure uh, you're getting peppered with those types of questions here. But, you know, I know that you have been around for a very long time in the boxing game. You t you go through all the judges beforehand. You pick them out. You approve of them. Uh, Adelaide Bird, before this fight, didn't really have a lot of question marks. Wasn't someone that you thought would put out an egregious scorecard like we saw, and as well as Don Trella. What can you do here for the, the rematch? What more can you do from your side when it comes to the selection of judges? You know, you hit it on the head. Uh, you know, uh, both of the uh, judges that you mentioned had been involved in uh, fights that we promoted before, uh, whether it's Klitschko fights, uh, Triple G fights, uh, and there was never uh, any issues, or at least never uh, an issue that uh, we could say, you know, we're uncomfortable with uh, their experience or um, professionalism. Um, unfortunately, I think uh, in the last fight, it just seemed, uh, you know, one judge went in one direction or was looking at a particular style and just uh, kept going in that direction. I, I, you know, I, I, it's not my place to try to explain what happened. I mean, we felt that, uh, you know, Triple G won the fight. Uh, we agreed with uh, Harold Letterman, who's uh, seen, you know, numerous fights in, in his lifetime and he had scored eight to four i didn't think it was uh you know that difficult to to score um with uh triple g coming forward landing the uh, more punches uh and pressing the action um uh, you know it, it seemed that uh you know that's that's the way i would have scored uh, the rounds when i was watching it live and when i watched it uh, on the replay um, you know, the, the commission will uh, assign the judges if there is a judge that stands out that, uh, you know, there, there's been an issue uh, with as far as um, uh, judging in the past or, or anything of that nature, then uh, either side can voice an objection. But, uh, you know, as I said in the past, I mean, this is the, the biggest fight of the year, so there's no reason why. Uh, whichever commission it winds up at that uh, can't get the three best judges in the world and uh, you know with the most uh, experienced the most uh, uh, competent uh, 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 way of scoring and then hopefully 
you know, we'll be focusing on the action in the ring and not not what happens uh, afterwards yeah. with the decisions. I can I can just see you now, like in a back room in in Vegas or New York. You got the old school interrogation <laughs> lights on, and you're like, "Tell me what happened in 1997 when you." Uh, there's just so much like talk about the judges. <laughs> I can just see you playing maybe the good cop, and then Triple G comes in as the bad cop, and he questions these judges. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't quite happen that way, but uh, it, there there is uh, uh, there 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 is input uh, from both sides. Uh, like I said, uh, uh, if if there's a particular uh, official that's being uh, contemplated, then uh, you know if um, depending on the experience that you've had with uh, that individual, if there's a, a boxing reason why um, there's uh, some questions, and certainly uh, both sides have the right to uh, to, to uh, voice. A concern, but um, uh, we feel wherever this fight winds up, we feel, especially in light of the controversy from the first fight, we feel there's going to be a, a microscope uh, on the officials that are selected. Uh, you know, we thought Kenny, Kenny Bayless, uh, who was a referee, we thought he did a fine job. Uh, um, you know, Dave Moretti, who's from Nevada, uh, he scored it uh, seven rounds to five for Triple G, which we certainly uh, can't argue with. So, um, you know, it's just a matter, you know, usually when you have three judges and one has a, a wide score uh, that doesn't seem to match what what's happening in the ring, then uh, the other two will offset it. Um, you know, unfortunately, um, the, the judge that wasn't from uh, Nevada, he had scored the seventh round, which, you know, was really one of Triple G's best rounds yeah. for Carlo. So it was just a little, you know, for whatever reason, and, and uh, you know, I can't really explain it, but uh, for whatever reason, it just uh, seemed like uh, the judging took over uh, the event as opposed to what actually happened yeah. uh, in the ring. Yeah, it's a shame because it was a great fight. Uh, if you can get past the judging, and hopefully we won't have to talk about judging uh, on May 6th because both fighters have been pretty uh, – pretty, they've been out there saying that they want to end this. They don't want to go to the judges. Canelo is talking more trash uh, than I've seen in, in recent years. And, of course, Gennady knows he comes into the ring to do one thing, and that's t take his opponent out. Let's go back to the actual action in the ring. Uh, from the first fight and we've had a long a lot of chances to look back at this fight and, and kind of analyze it we've watched it numerous times uh triple mm -hmm. g you know didn't really cut off the ring like he used to uh when he got canelo on the ropes didn't really make him pay but he did land uh the, the cleaner harder punches like you said outlanded him in uh, 10 of the 12 rounds as for canelo he was uh didn't let his hands go as much what can we expect now from this this rematch and take us back to the first fight what do you think uh, your guy gennady has to do different to get a clear victory well, definitely both sides are going to make adjustments uh, going 12 rounds uh, with each other. It's going to give Abel Sanchez uh, an idea. Nobody expected uh, Canelo to be as defensive as he was in the first fight. Um, you know, as you as you said, you know, he's been a lot more aggressive in uh, what he's saying about the second fight. He says he's going to knock out uh, uh, Triple G this time, which, uh, you know, we all, we all know if you're going to go for a knockout, you have to actually stand and fight instead of uh, going backwards against the ropes. Um, you know, Canelo did fight in, in flurries. Um, we just, uh, you know, again, just if, if Triple G is pressing the action, throwing more punches, you know, some people make the argument, well, Canelo threw more power shots. But, uh, you know, you can definitely argue that every time Gennady got hit, he kept coming forward. So I don't know how much power 
with on those shots and you know Kanani's jab is uh oftentimes just as hard or harder than uh, someone else's power shot so it's hard to to score you know an uppercut or a right hand more than than a, a jab from Triple G where uh, Triple G's knocked out guys with his jab uh, many times in the past. But whose idea was it for uh, the, the Rock to announce uh, this fight? Because that was just brilliant. He, he posted on his IG page and it got people really jazzed up for the rematch. Yeah, I got to uh, you know I got to give credit to our uh, broadcast partner uh, HBO. Um, they have a great relationship with The Rock. Uh, you know he's uh, one of the stars on Ballers and. Uh, you know the way it was now when they first pitched the idea to us we loved it both on our side and on the, the golden boy side and uh, the effect that you uh, that you saw with him uh, announcing this this uh, you know major event uh, made it even bigger uh, because of the announcement so we were we were happy with the way it, that all uh, transpired you know the first fight we announced when uh, triple g came in the ring after the Chavez fight with uh, Canelo, and uh, I think this one uh, took a lot of people by surprise as well. So we're excited uh, about kicking off the promotion so, uh, with, with that type of announcement. So maybe for the third fight, you're going to have to get like Donald Trump or something. <laughs> <laughs> we saw Donald in the in the locker room of Gennady. He, uh, he's a boxing fan, and uh, he came uh, because he's based in New York, and uh, Triple G fought in the, in the garden. Yeah. He, he came to, uh, to a couple of uh, Triple G fights uh, in the past. And, uh, yeah, I don't know what, what it's going to take to, uh, to top uh, The Rock uh, announcing it, but if there is a third fight, I'm sure we'll come up with something uh, creative that, uh, that um, you know, will we'll make a big splash. Do you think there's going to be a, a trilogy? I, could, I mean, a lot of fans and people in the business see this playing out in three fights since it was so close, but, I mean, I'm sure you would want it. But is that how you see this kind of playing out? You know, I, I really, uh, I think it depends on how the second fight goes, uh, because the first fight was uh, ended in such controversy, and especially since it ended in a draw, whoever wins the second fight, I think you can make the argument that uh, that we uh, that they need a, a third fight. And again, uh, you know, both guys seems like uh, you know you can make uh, maybe go back to the Pacquiao Marquez uh, fights. You know, it just. Uh, um, these are the the two biggest stars, uh, not only in the middleweight division, but uh, you know, really in the in the sport of boxing. So, um, you know, if they're fighting each other, it becomes a much bigger event than uh, if they're fighting somebody else. And so that's why, you know, when the financial uh, revenue is there, then um, and they're both on uh, the top uh, ten or top five in the pound for pound list. So it makes sense from both from a, a boxing perspective and from a, a financial perspective. So I could I could easily see a third fight uh, happening just depending on how the second fight plays out. Well, sign me up for that. But you talk about <laughs> you talk about uh, the money uh, that Triple G made for this fight and Canelo as well, highest paydays for each guy, and yes. and you talk about that and. You kind of steered Triple G's career from the beginning. He's paid his dues. You know, he's fought guys in, in countries all over the world, like he illustrated. How do you, you see the rest of his career kind of playing out? He's a guy that's prided himself on fighting mandatories, you know, all the belts. We've seen all the, 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 the slogans and, and campaigns that he's uh, have come up with here. How do you yeah. see the rest of his career? Is he going to be taking these big money fights now in the stages of his career? Or do you, or after this, could you have to take on someone, a mandatory, to keep those belts? I'll tell you, Dan, it's, uh, you know, He's always wanted to uh, to unify, um, and he's one guy that was willing to overpay opponents 
uh, you know, I can go through uh, all, all the opponents that uh, that he fought, and uh, you know, sometime as a champion, we had to pay the opponent uh, just as much as as his purse in order to get them uh, in the ring and uh, give favorable conditions. Um, I thought it'd be easy to unify all the titles because Gennady didn't care where he fought, uh, and he didn't care really at that point, uh, you know, how much he was making because he just wanted to uh, to reach his goal of unifying the titles. We, you know, we offered uh, Frank Warren and Billy Joe Saunders to come to the UK. That was, uh, I believe, that was the fight, uh, September 2016, and um, you know, we couldn't uh, uh, we couldn't get Saunders to agree. Um, to the fight and you know earlier than that uh, Sturm you know had the WBA title and Gennady was a mandatory for over two years um, you know we wanted to unify with Sergio Martinez and you know some of the other champions at that point and it just seemed for one reason or another when he was on his uh, 23 knockout streak <laughs> nobody wanted to get in the ring with him hmm. so um, <laughs> I wonder why. Yeah, there's a good, there's a good reason. Uh, the one champion we did get to unify, David Lemieux, and we have a lot of respect for Lemieux and his camp, uh, which was actually also a Golden Boy uh, co-promotion that uh, that uh, that we did. Um, but you know, we saw what happened uh, when 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 he fought uh, another champion, and I think yeah, uh, the, the champions. Yeah, I think the champions at the time they realized what was going to happen. Now, you know, with Gennady being Gennady being 35 years old, you know, it seems like uh, Saunders is uh, getting a lot more uh, yeah. courageous from yeah. what he's what he's tweeting or, or saying about Triple G. And you know, hopefully, uh, if things go the right way and if he can win May 5th, then uh, we'll see if it is possible to unify, or we'll see whatever the biggest fights are uh, that are out there yeah. for, for him at that time. If you guys do get the win, um, I mean, I thought you won the first fight, and you get this win, you guys are going to be in a very good spot. You know, either Canelo or BJ Saunders, and he, he does. Uh, BJ is talking a different uh, tune here. He came on yeah. Inside Boxing Live uh, uh, last, late last year, and he made it very clear. Uh, Gennady Golovkin is public enemy number one. But it's interesting that uh, when he did have a fight, you did have uh, brought him to the negotiating table. He wasn't as uh, into that fight. But is that so is that something that you want to see, or what does uh, Gennady Golovkin think of uh, BJ Saunders? Yeah, uh, look, uh, we have respect for Saunders. Uh, you know, he is a champion. Uh, uh, he had a, a great performance against uh, Lemieux. It seems like he's going after uh, the Triple G <laughs> opponents because now he's fighting Martin Murray, who's also. Yeah. We have a lot of respect for Murray, so we certainly can't, uh, uh, you know, can't fault uh, fault him uh, for that. But um, uh, you know, it, it's very unusual when you have a, a, a fighter that's uh, very popular here in the states and, and has uh, multiple titles for that for that fighter to go overseas just to get uh, uh, the last belt, and you, you never see that from, you know, some of the. Uh, big stars that have been here in the States and Gennady, again, he's, he was driven by that, uh, by wanting to unify all the titles and, and again, uh, expanding his fan base into uh, the UK. Um, you know, we went down the list when Saunders, uh, um, wasn't able to make the deal. Then, uh, we went through, uh, Eubank Jr., which we thought would be a big fight. Eddie Hearn uh, thought that that would actually do bigger business than, than Saunders. Um, and then uh, Eubank Jr. couldn't get them, or Eddie couldn't get them to agree. And then we finally wind up fighting uh, Kell Brook over there. And with that fight, 
his first fight over in London and sold out in, in 11 minutes in the O2. So it just shows you the universal appeal that uh, Gennady has, whether he's in Mexico. We took him to Azteca Stadium um, when the NFL was playing down there and he had a huge reception from the fans. He was just over in Sochi, Russia when uh, Murat Gassia fought over there and had a, a tremendous uh, reception over there. Um, wherever we take him, he has that universal appeal. And I think uh, he's really bringing back the definition like Ali had when uh, he fought all over the world. You know, it's, it's a lot of fighters that only fight in one city or one country, you know, kind of lose perspective of, you know, what it, what it means to be a world champion. A world champion doesn't mean only fighting in one city your entire career. And that's what uh, Triple G uh, appreciates and, and is able to give back to uh, to his fans. I love it. He's the world champion. Not a lot of guys, uh, you know, embody being the world champion like Gennady does. And it's a, it's a tip to you and uh, your, your team there at K2. You've done a wonderful job uh, promoting Triple G. Uh, but I do want to ask you about Chocolatito before we go. I saw some stories that you were going to see him back in, in May. Could we possibly see Chocolatito on the undercard of Triple G Canelo? That that's uh, possible. Uh, I'm I'm speaking with uh, Mr. Honda of uh, Taking Promotions, and um, um, he's coordinating with uh, Carlos Blondon, uh, Chocolatito's manager, uh, to see if uh, if Chocolatito uh, would be ready for uh, for that uh, that time frame. Uh, if he is, I think uh, Chocolatito is a tremendous addition to any show that he's on. Um, you know, we were we were happy to have the combination of uh, Chocolatito and Triple G for uh, I think we did that uh, maybe four or five times, and it was you know at that time they were considered the two best uh, pound for pound fighters in the sport, and uh, you know it just was a lot of uh, quality uh, world class boxing on those shows that the fans really uh, appreciated and responded to. So if there's a way to work out a deal to have Chocolatito back on. Uh, back on uh, on on this show, then uh, we would certainly uh, welcome that because, you know, just like I mentioned with the Superfly Two show, uh, February twenty fourth coming up here at the Forum, you know, Chocolatito opened up the uh, the division for those uh, those lighter weight fighters for the flyweight division, Superflyweight division. So he's really uh, blazed a trail, uh, you know, for the smaller divisions here, especially in the states. Yeah, everyone loves a comeback. I mean, know that Chocolatito will have his eyes set on uh, February twenty fourth. Uh, for the Superfly 2 card, done a great job at that. He's done a great job with Triple G's uh, pr promotions here and uh, a great job with this interview as well. We might as well just keep uh, praising <laughs> you there, Tom. But Appreciate thank you that. very much, and uh, we'll look see you soon. Ringside, thanks for coming on Inside Boxing Live. All right, great. Thank you. There he is, the great Tom Loeffler, one of the real gentlemen of the sport and, uh, you know, very well regarded in the boxing community. He's a very uh, straightforward guy, and he gives you the information you want. He's done a great job with Triple G's career and uh, you know, had some very interesting things to say about uh, the fights here. The judging, of course, is something that's going to come up a lot in the lead-up to this fight. And, you know, what more can you do? I mean, the guy's been around for over 20 years, Tom Loeffler, and, you know, they're very, cl they're very close with selecting these judges. It's not like they are handed a piece of paper, here, you're a judge, okay, fine, we don't, don't do any background information on them. You know, they study these judges and they come up with it, and Adelaide Bird, Don Trella, didn't really have that checkered of a past to, to warrant them not to be on this card. So he's going to take a very closer look uh, at the judges should this fight land in Vegas, which is most likely the case, or, or uh, New York City in Madison Square Garden. But uh, Tom also spoke about he's going to be speaking with uh, Oscar De La Hoya and Golden Boy Promotions very soon to nail down a date, or nail down a venue uh, for this fight, most likely. Uh, going to be in Las Vegas. But interesting stuff about Gennady is that uh, he said that they had two other dates in April and May. I wonder who those are going to be against. He brought up uh, 
uh, Eubank Jr., he's obviously fighting in the World Boxing Super Series, so it wasn't going to be him. But, you know, one thing about K2 and, and Loeffler is that they get pretty creative when it comes to opponents for Triple G. But that's not something we have to worry about. What we do have to worry about is May 5th. The rematch is here, brought to us by The Rock on his Instagram page, uh, Triple G Canelo 2. Uh, we're going to be seeing that May 5th, Cinco de Mayo. So special thanks to uh, Tom Loeffler for joining us here on Inside Boxing Live. Moving along here on Inside Boxing Live, a lot of news and notes in the world of boxing since the last time we spoke. It's very hard to keep track of everything that goes on. Twitter is a great tool for that. But uh, we round everything up in a segment that we call, in case you missed it. And our first bit of information here comes from the heavyweight division. Anthony Joshua, Joseph Parker uh, will be fighting on March 31st. And we found a home for this fight. It's going to be on Showtime, uh, like we all thought it would be. Um, but the deal that Eddie Hearn has here with uh, Anthony Joshua and his broadcast uh, partners is with Showtime, but HBO can also bid on these deals. And HBO uh, put up a very generous offer of uh, a reported $1.95 million dollars uh, to air this fight, Showtime uh, essentially matched it. We don't know how much Showtime put up f- from that. It could have been a dollar more. It could have been a, a Price is Right scenario where Stephen Espinosa puts in one more dollar. But you know what? Showtime has the fight. Uh, Joshua Parker will be on uh, March 31st, sometime around 5 o'clock. Uh, it aired. It's going to be airing live, no delay, just like they did for the Takam fight. Uh, so Joshua Parker has a home on Showtime. But moving forward here, in case you missed it, Bob Arum. He's talking with Team Linares uh, for a fight for his man, uh, Vasil Lomachenko. I love this fight. I really hope it comes out here. They're talking about March 12th at Madison Square Garden, but the last I saw on Twitter was that maybe March 12th is not the date for this fight because uh, Triple G Canelo will be May. F- will be I'm sorry, it's May 12th. Uh, Triple G Canelo will be May 5th, and what HBO likes to do is they like to air. Uh, the replay of the, the the big fight, and they also like to put it with a live fight. So essentially, Golden Boy doesn't want to be going up against themselves because uh, Lomachenko Linares will most likely be on ESPN, and then over on HBO, you're going to have the Triple G uh, replay, which is going to do big business too. So maybe not May 12th for Linares uh, versus Lomachenko, but they are talking here. And I think it needs to be pointed out that Bob Arum... And Oscar De La Hoya, of course, do not like each other. We all know their history. But apparently, Aram is not dealing with De La Hoya directly on this negotiations. He's talking to Mr. Honda. And Mr. Honda is a uh, co-promoter of Linares. But you know what? Who cares? And would it be nice if uh, De La Hoya and, and, uh, and Aram got together and came up with a deal? Yes, that would be nice. But as long as it gets done, the fight fans uh, don't really care. But one thing that needs to be noted here is that Ray Beltran... Uh, is a backup option should this fight fall through. And uh, we all know how easy it is for top rank to uh, match uh, opponents from fighters in their own stable. So would not be surprised if uh, Ray Beltran gets the call, especially if he wins uh, his upcoming fight coming up here in a few weeks. Uh, Moving along here, in case you missed it, Terrence Crawford, Jeff Horn, 90% done for April 14th at Madison Square Garden. This comes from the lips of uh, Terrence Crawford. He was on, uh, I think what fight it was, one of the top ranked cards on ESPN. Uh, and he was interviewed ringside by Bernardo Osuna, and he said that, you know, it's 90% done. So it came right from the source, and that's what we like here at Inside Boxing Live. Uh, but this fight would be a pay-per-view. It would be ESPN's first foray into the pay-per-view fights with Top Rank. They've had a few pay-per-views in the past, but this is the first time 
we're going to see top rank uh, kind of trot out a pay-per-view. And the reason that's going to be a pay-per-view is because Manny Pacquiao is uh, rumored to be on the undercard or whatever, however they figure out who's in a fight, who gets top billing, who gets the undercard status. Uh, well, that's going to have to be something to hashed out. So, you know, Pacquiao could be potentially fighting Mike Alvarado. Uh, I know a lot of fans are not in love with that at all. Uh, but, you know, as a New Yorker, I know this is a few, there are some New Yorkers that listen and watch this show. Would you be willing to see Pacquiao fight at Madison Square Garden against a lesser opponent in Alvarado, or would you rather see Pacquiao fight uh, Lucas Matisse maybe at the StubHub Center? I mean, I think fans want the bigger fight. You know, I'm not going to be that selfish and say that I want to see Pacquiao fight Alvarado just because it would be at the Garden. I want to see Pacquiao in there with some stiff opponents, some some better opponents as he gets older uh, up in age here. But uh, Crawford, Horn, 90% done. Also, uh, Jeff, I'm sorry, also... Crawford will be playing in the NBA Celebrity All-Star Game, uh, Celebrity All-Star Weekend. He's playing on Team Lakers with uh, Jerry Ferrara, Nick Cannon, uh, Tracy McGrady. So it's nice to see uh, Top Rank, ESPN, and coming together and uh, hooking up Terrence Crawford. That's a great way to become a star in boxing. I don't understand why more fighters don't put themselves out there, cross-promote, you know, go on talk shows, go on, you know, reality shows. So this is great to see uh, Terrence Crawford. Apparently, uh, he can ball. I mean, he we all know that he's ambidextrous, so he's going to be putting up some right-hand layups and some lefty layups. So look for uh, Terrence Crawford not only fighting in the ring against uh, Jeff Horn in April, but also on the basketball court for the NBA Celebrity All-Star Game. And rounding out uh, this week's, in case you missed it, Andre Ward just can't seem to go away, man. I mean, he's posting pictures of him on a scale. He's talking about maybe I'll come back, uh, you know, just sending out these little subtle hints. But uh, his trainer, of course, came out and said that uh, Ward has been, uh, you know, maybe hinting at a return, and it could be Tony Ballou. The Of course, Tony Ballou is the uh, the heavyweight going up against uh, David Hay in a, in a match that got postponed, but they'll be fighting soon, and, uh, you know... Uh, Andre Ward's trainer said that, you know what, maybe if the fight is right, if the money is right, Andre Ward will travel across to, to fight, you know, Tony Ballou. I mean, it doesn't make – will Andre Ward be going up against some of the, the world beaters at 175 should he come back? You know, the Bivals out there, the Sergey Kovalev, a, a third fight with him. Some of the other the killers at 175, doubtful. Uh, he's going to pick and choose. That's what I think about Andre Ward. I do think he's going to come back at some point. He's going to pick and choose – the right fight that makes the most money and the most sense because he is a businessman. That's something that he's shown in his career. But Andre Ward's trainer says that he could potentially be back to fight uh, Tony Ballou. And I sat actually sat next to Tony Ballou at Mayweather McGregor. He was doing work for uh, Sky Sports, I believe, as a commentator. And I asked him about uh, Andre Ward. And he, you know, he said, hey, look, Andre Ward's a great guy, uh, gentleman, wonderful fighter, but I can beat him. He was very clear to me, and I wasn't holding the microphone to his face. That we're just two guys talking, you know, off the record. And he's like, "I know I can beat him," and and he was pretty confident. And that was back in August. So, should uh, Tony Ballou get past David Hay, maybe we see uh, Andre Ward and Tony Ballou there uh, sometime in 2018 or beyond. Well, that's it for in case you missed it. So we like to do here on Inside Boxing Live, get you up to date on all the crazy boxing news that goes on in this world. All guests at Inside Boxing Live appear via the Jack Doyle's phone line located just one block away from Penn Station in Madison Square Garden. Jack Doyle's the perfect place to get a drink before or after any big fight or game. And with that, we're going to bring in our next guest here on Inside Boxing Live. He's an online sensation. He's a horse owner. He's a pizza connoisseur. And now you can add boxing promoter 
to the long list of accomplishments for Dave Portnoy, El Prez, the founder of Barstool Sports. Dave, thanks for joining us, man. Thanks for having me. All right, so uh, Rough and Rowdy, uh, you acquired it last year. Uh, the first show was back in December. Huge success. Uh, 30,000 pay-per-view buys in this current pay-per-view climate. is uh, It's a big success. What exactly is uh, Rough and Rowdy for those boxing fans at home that listen to our show that don't know what it is? Yeah, I mean, the easiest way to think about it would be it's like an old tough man competition, really. Um, you know, it's just guys who want to fight. They're amateur. No, no experience. They just get in the ring and kind of go at it. I know you have fights, fighters of all, all shapes and sizes. Uh, I watched the last one. You got a, a guy fighting in jeans. Uh, you, had yeah. a, you had a guy uh, just blatantly eating punches. You have female fights. So it's a little bit of everything, all walks of life. It's everything. And, uh, you know, it, it's indicative of where where the fights take place. The the one we did before was in, uh, I forget, remote West Virginia. The one that we're doing Friday is in Morgantown, the college town. So it'll probably be more college fighters, yeah. frat kids and things of that nature. But it takes on the local flavor of wherever we host the event. Now, you're talking to a guy that went to uh, West Virginia University. So oh, I didn't uh, know that. <laughs> uh, you didn't look up my bio, Dave? No, I didn't. Sorry. <laughs> but uh, Morgantown is, it's, I mean, it's going to be electric. Uh, I mean, on a Friday night, you're going to, it's going to be, the crowd is going to be insane. So I know you're, you're anticipating that, but I know you do the pizza reviews. I have one recommendation for you. High Street, uh, Casa di Amici. Uh, That's the full name? That's one name that you just said to me? <laughs> yes. The, the pizza place, it's on High Street. It's called Casa di Amici. All the kids oh, call okay. It, Casa all, di Amici. Gotcha. Yeah, all the kids call it Casa if you want to try to fit in with the young the young guys. But Okay. It wasn't, I mean, keep in mind, I haven't been there since uh, 2010. So for all I know, it could be torn down. It could be a, it could be a bar. It could be any, a lot of things. Morgantown's a, is a seedy place. Well, uh, I don't doubt that, but all right, I'll, I'll give it a whirl if it's there. I, we've been there before. We've done events at Bent Willie's. I think the name of the yes, bar is. Yes, yes. Wow. They yeah. actually have a pizza place inside Bent Willie's, but it's only open like during bar hours. Gotcha. And that's some good pizza as well, but uh but the main event, though, in uh, Rough and Rowdy, uh, I know last uh, event's main event was off the charts. You had Tex versus Hank. Uh, I mean, the buildup for that fight was was on the levels of the thrill in Manila, in my eyes. But <laughs> <laughs> but the main event you have for this one, you got Smitty versus Sean Latham. Uh, Sean Latham, of course, is uh, a comedian, and he's with Pat McAfee's crew. Smitty is uh, one of the uh, bloggers. I think he's a Philly blogger. What's the backstory on the main event for, for this matchup? You know, there's not as much natural animosity as there is building because of the fight, as, but there's not as much of the natural hatred as there was with uh, Tex and Hank, who legitimately hated each other. But they both these guys both want to fight. So, uh, you know, we made the match, and I think anytime somebody's getting ready to fight each other, the closer it gets to the actual fight night, they are starting to uh, great on each other and get on each other's nerves and things like that but these are just two guys that were similar size they're both kind of big boys um who want to fight so that's that's how the match was made now do you make these matches i know uh you you're the, the president of barstool now you're a boxing promoter so are you also the matchmaker or do you, you know it's a uh, i guess to a degree like we made this main event the other fights though all the undercards are made by uh chris smith who was the original owner of rough and rowdy who we went to business with now you also have these female fights too i saw something on instagram you had something look like a, a toothless woman i wouldn't want to get into the ring with her but she looks like she's going up against some like a ring girl i mean what's the story on that one 
Listen, everybody fights everybody. That's why I love Rough and Rowdy. That's why we fought Rough and Rowdy. Uh, yeah, that that is a match of somebody I like. If I had to bet on this one, I would take the toothless girl. She seems like she's been in quite a few scraps and would fight men, women, animals, bears, whatever. So I don't like the ring girl's chances. But anybody wants to fight, you can fight. And like I said, that that's kind of – I am a fight fan. But the beauty of this and what I always – caught my eye with rough and rowdy these fights are like the most exciting entertaining funny uh fights i've ever seen because there's no defense you know you don't get the floyd mayweather ducking and bobbing we you get people who in the first minute you're either getting knocked out or you're out of breath and passing out so it's action 24 7 yeah if you guys were to hire CompuBox, there would be no defense we'd be we'd have our hands full for that one yeah, it's just you just have to. I don't know how. Like with the the punches thrown, I obviously they go up. You'd have to have like ten people on those stats because <laughs> they just and then and, but then you could fire everybody by the end because everyone's so tired. There's no punches being thrown. Well. That's true. My fingers would be hurting. But you you actually call the fights too, right? I do. Yeah. So what's your it style? May be my actual. It may be my actual natural calling. <laughs> I mean, I've heard some of your calls. They're pretty good. I've called a few fights in my day. But what's your what's your style? You're more of a of a Jim Lampley type, or you're more of a Gush and Gus Johnson? Uh, does does Gus Johnson call fights? He does boxing. Or well, he did, did he did boxing? I didn't know that. I, I I mean I like Lampley. I would say again I don't know that you can compare my style to any of them because the action is so different than all of them. Um, and, and they generally don't. Uh, maybe not. You know, it's more like the uh, a fan man type atmosphere. There's just weird stuff going on all the time. Um, I guess I, I I love Lampley, so I guess I'll say him, but I don't think it's similar. Yeah, Lampley's pretty good. Um, Mayweather McGregor, uh, I was out there. I saw you. You had pretty good seats, Dave. You were seated right next to our ringside uh, connection. Shout out to Peter Churning. But uh, did you get the <laughs> did that get like the juices flowing for you? I mean, obviously you didn't anticipate uh, purchasing a, a fight promotion. But what did you make of the Mayweather McGregor build up? You're a guy that promotes. Uh, what'd you think of all that? I thought the buildup was great. The first press conference, great. And uh, the one, maybe they did a little too many, kind of went off the rails a little bit towards the end. And, you know, the fight itself, uh, I was a little underwhelmed with it, to be totally honest. I'm not quite sure why. I don't know if they outpriced normal fight fans. Uh, there was a lot of, like, the Irish outside the yeah. venue. I don't know how many actually made it inside. I thought the well, I thought the walk to the ring, which generally, you know, will give anybody goosebumps. I thought it was way too fast. Uh, and, and I don't know. I thought something I thought it was good, but I thought there was something lacking with the electricity in the ring. Uh, I, I don't know if they just it was too expensive. Mayweather maybe doesn't have that. You know that fan base like a mexican fighter or a nationality or a puerto rican fighter or something like that and, and whatever reason i didn't feel like the irish people for Conor mcgregor actually made it into the ring in full force so i was actually a little disappointed with the actual electricity factor i thought the fight was okay right. um but the actual theatrics in the day of fight i thought was a little disappointing no you're right you're absolutely right i felt the same exact way because i was at pacquiao mayweather and obviously that fight was horrible but the electricity the anticipation like the night before the mgm grand lobby was you couldn't even move so i'm with you on that that the fact that it, you know something was missing that night the fight what do you think about the actual fight though there was a people out there that say that you know floyd mayweather carried mcgregor for those first three rounds you know lots of copy box he only threw like five punches in the first round uh, mayweather what do you think about the actual fight itself yeah, I, I would agree with that. Uh, I mean, it was very bizarre, Mayweather-esque. Uh, he, you know, he did exactly what he wanted to do, and 
was never going to put himself in danger. And once he was comfortable with everything, he, he just kind of took him apart. I mean, that was not, you know, that, that was an exhibition more than anything else. Um, and a money grab for those guys. And it, it, I mean, I was entertained by it, but it was pretty much what I expected. People who said uh, that, you know, McGregor had a chance or was surprised. I mean, I, I Mayweather did exactly what he wanted to do. I would say he carried him um, for the fight. Now, I know you're a big fight fan. What are some of the fighters that you follow today, or what are some big fights on the calendar? 2018, 2017 was a phenomenal year for boxing. 2018 shaping up to be great with uh, Canelo, Triple G, and all the fights that Showtime is putting on. Who are some of your favorite fighters growing up, and uh, who do you admire today? You know, I, I'm all over the map. I'll watch any big fight, um, and obviously the personalities are what make it. Uh, the, the Triple G fight, I was supposed to actually go to the, the one right after uh, McGregor didn't make it out there. He, he's always interesting. Unfortunately, you know, there there isn't what, what's, I think, hurt boxing is you haven't had, like, a great heavyweight champion in forever and everything. Mm -hmm. So disparage it. And even Mayweather, who reigned for so long, won't fight anybody at the top of his game. So, you know, I'll watch them as they come. But unfortunately, right now, there's nothing that I set my calendar to in boxing um, that get that gets my juices flowing, unfortunately, which kind of stinks. But I will watch any big fight. Like, I'll watch them all. But there's none right. that, you know, I – right now which i think is probably speaking to the problem with boxing there's yeah. nothing that's like yep gotta watch this this fight's circled on my calendar months in advance i just don't have that well there's uh deontay wilder from alabama heavyweight and uh he's actually yeah he's fighting on showtime in, in new york so yeah I, march 3rd I, march 3rd against luis ortiz at the barclays center i mean that's going to be a really good one because both guys like have a ton of ko's and that's the thing with the heavyweight division. You actually nailed it where that's what gets people excited. And Deontay Wilder is a name. He's a U.S. fighter. He's, he's been on the show before. He's a great interview. And then you got uh, Anthony Joshua overseas in, in, in England who is, like, knocking everyone out. He's, like, an uh, Olympic medalist. So hopefully, you know, the heavyweight division uh, blows up because that's, what, like, kind of the lifeline of boxing. Yeah, you need that or you need the great division. Uh, like, you know, I, something's got to happen. But, yeah, unfortunately, I think if you go ask uh, the general public, like 95% of the people are going to have no idea who Wilder is. So uh, that, unfortunately, is a little bit of the issue. That the, the main draw in all fight game is probably McGregor right now, and who knows what he's going to do. <laughs> yeah, McGregor, yeah, he might get in the ring or the cage with Mayweather. Yeah. What do you, you think that's actually going to happen? I know they're going back and forth on social media. I find it a little bit annoying, the flirting that's going on with them. What do you think uh, McGregor— I think they're going to box again. You don't think they're going to do the cage? You, you, I mean, I, <laughs> Floyd Mayweather, Mayweather wouldn't fight Pacquiao when he was in his prime. I don't think he's going to suddenly say, yeah, I'm going to go get choked out in a, in a cage. So, I mean— no. I would say there's a better chance that pigs fly than McGregor <laughs> actually. I mean, uh, Mayweather actually gets MMA in the cage. Well, it's crazy because I think that if Mayweather did, you know, lose his mind and actually step into a cage with McGregor, I think that the boxer's stand-up is so much, so far superior than an MMA guy. If he lands like a like a, like a nice overhand right that Mayweather has done his whole career with four-ounce gloves, I think he can knock McGregor out cold. But it's the fact that McGregor could take him down and choke him out that would get, you know, hundreds of millions of people to tune in. Yeah, uh, it's, it's the age-old debate. I mean, I think just naturally that Mayweather is a superior athlete, faster, quicker, but it's a totally different, totally different sport. Um, 
and I don't know that you can pick that up and go against a guy who's probably the best at it that quickly. So I'd love to see that, but uh, again, I, we're talking about something that I think we both know is never going to happen. I mean, never say never with boxing, but here, here's the thing. Uh, commissioner for a day. This is a question I ask, quote-unquote, non-boxing people that come on our show. We had Tracy Morgan on. I asked him, if you were commissioner for the day in boxing, what would you do? What would Dave Portnoy do if he was the commissioner of boxing? I mean, what can you do? The problem is there's so many different – there is no com- there is a commissioner, but there's not. You know, right. you don't you have no power. Like the thing that uh, UFC has done, and obviously McGregor is changing the game a little bit, but Dana White can force fights. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's always the best guys fighting each other, and they're fighting each other, it feels like, every 10 seconds. So that changes it. In boxing, you know, it's this individual thing. There's so much more money in it. Um, but – we just never for a long period of time, and I, I guess you could call it the Mayweather era, you, you never got the fight you wanted to see. So yeah. it, it's extremely frustrating as a fan when you can't get the guys that you know you need to see fight. And when you do get the same fight, they're way over the hill. So you're not getting the fight you want. So if I was commissioner, it's that. you got to force – I don't know that you could do it in the dream world. You're forcing fights with guys in their prime. Yeah, you're right. It's it's the it's the age old thing in boxing where you want to consolidate all the all the divisions. There's too many titles. You know, the fight best don't fight the best. There's no unified, uh, you know, commissioner sort of say like a Dana White overlooking it. So uh, agree there. But you're a guy that's uh, you like a good grudge, and you love, uh, love a grudge. Love a grudge. You're a grudge guy, and uh, you've had some pretty public beefs with a lot of uh, media members out there. And when you uh, purchased Rough and Rowdy, one of the first thoughts that I had was this is going to be a great thing. But also, uh, you know, is is Portnoy going to get into the ring? And uh, I would right. say if you can pick one person, one person that you've beefed with over the many years of Barcelona's existence, and you got into, you laced them up, you got into the ring, who would it be? Jeez. So am I trying to, like, am I doing this because I'm using my brain and I want competitive advantage, or am I fighting somebody that may knock me out? Well, I mean, you got to have the confidence. I mean, well, I don't. I'm not a fighter. I, the promoters generally don't get in the ring. The promoters talk with their mouths, not their fists. That's so, true. Uh, yeah, the ring would not be my forte. I wouldn't mind fighting Bill Simmons. I feel like I could beat him up, though. The boss, two Boston guys. Well, he's out in L.A. now, but two Boston guys going at it. I can see that yeah. it, rough and rowdy, like New England. That would be a huge selling event, a wildly. So, if you see me in the ring, that means this purchase has gone sideways and worked out. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. So February 16th, uh, Morgantown, Rough and Rowdy. Uh, how can uh, fans purchase this fight? So you go to roughandrowdybrawl.com. It's $9.99 day of the fight. And it'll be, uh, I think it's $15.99 day of. And, and I am a fight guy. And it will be the most entertaining 10 bucks or 15 bucks you've ever spent. I can't tell you how many people watch it. Like, wow, that was something. I don't. I mean, I'll call fight, but it's something. It's just, again, it, it, it's... If it's not a great knockout, there's some humor, there's comedy, so it's a little bit of what we do, a little bit of Could we possibly see Dave Portnoy entering the ranks as like a big time promoter? You got Bob Arum's getting up there in age. Don King, I saw I saw Don King at the Barclays Center. He was waddling. He was like on live support. I mean, they could use some some fresh blood in here. I mean, you're a guy with big aspirations. Did you one yeah. day get into the boxing game for like it's legitimately? A, it's a bygone era. Like those those I don't know who the new young promoter. I don't know that there are. I don't know any of them. But uh, that, those were the, the glory days of boxing when you had those guys rolling around. And Rock, what was the guy? Rock. Well, who was the who was Rick Bowe's guy? Rock. Whatever. 
Rock Newman, yeah. Rock Newman. I mean, these <laughs> characters straight out of central casting. So, yeah, I wouldn't mind doing that. There you go. Dave Portnoy, thank you very much for joining Inside Boxing Live February 16th from Morgantown, West Virginia, my old stomping grounds, rough and rowdy. Uh, but best of luck with all that, and we'll hope to get you soon, ringside. All right, thanks. There he is, Dave Portnoy, the online sensation, the pizza connoisseur. I wanted to talk pizza a little more, but, you know, we got a little sidetracked with boxing talk. But, uh, I mean, I, I watched the first Rough and Rowdy, and, you know, it is what it is. If you can take it for what it is, and it's it's entertainment, you know, it's hillbillies, it's you got females, you got guys in jeans, it's it's a little bit of everything. And you throw the wrinkle of the barstool guys with the, you know, putting their unique touch on it, calling the fights and the, the, the buildup. It's a lot of fun. It's only 10 bucks, 10 bucks or $15. So uh, it should be a good one, and I wouldn't mind seeing uh you know more young people involved in the sport of boxing whether it's on the amateur level uh straight up to the top so shout out to dave portnoy everyone at barstool sports for joining us here on inside boxing live when i log on to twitter.com i want to be entertained and right now there is no better twitter than the boxing twitter from the fighters promoting themselves talking about their daily activities to the bloggers out there to the super fans that are, are trolling uh the boxing twitter is always entertaining so here on inside boxing live we round up all the week's best tweets for this week's twitter hitters our first twitter hitter comes from at six heads galaxy slice and this comes via nick frapka i brought it to our attention uh, it's a mock uh, Triple G Canelo uh, negotiations here. These are the deal points, according to Galaxy Slice. Canelo can only wear six-ounce gloves. He can, Canelo can only wear the headgear. Golovkin is not allowed to jab. The fight has to take place in Vegas on Mexican Independence Day weekend. Hispanics get free tickets. If the fight is close, Canelo has to get it. Uh, Golovkin is not permitted to win more than seven rounds in any scorecard. Uh, Adelaide Bird. Uh, if... Golovkin wins, the rematch has to be in Mexico City. If Canelo wins, there is no rematch. And the final clause is that there's no rehydration clause. And, uh, you know, I don't think that's going to be the case here. I don't think uh, we just spoke with Tom Loeffler. don't think he's going to be signing off on that one. But uh, thank you to at Six Heads for this uh, very funny tweet. Bring it to our attention. Moving on here, Twitter hitters. Comes from Oscar De La Hoya, of course. The great legendary boxer here. He tweets at Bob Arum. Manny Pacquiao versus Lucas Matisse would be a barn burner. Hashtag fans first. Hashtag war. And, you know, Oscar De La Hoya really wants this fight. Manny Pacquiao rumored to be uh, taking on... Uh, who's he rumored to be taking on, Nick? Pacquiao. Matisse? Matisse. There it is. Yeah, no, that's who he's going to fight here. Pacquiao is rumored to be fighting Mike Alvarado. There we go. So, I don't, I don't know about this one, De La Hoya. I mean, everyone wants to see Pacquiao versus Matisse. And I do agree that would be a barn burner, but I think we're going to see Pacquiao in there with Alvarado. Uh, I'm going to keep it in the top rank thing. But, you know, I don't knock De La Hoya for trying. I mean, even if it's a, just a little tweet that just make believe he's, he's doing the right thing, you know, you got to give him credit here. Moving forward here, Twitter hitters at Rolled Boxing, great follow. As much complaining about no U.S. TV deal for the uh, World Boxing Super Series, the stream is quality, who cares? YouTube, Facebook. Uh, probably has more reach than HBO Showtime. And I 100% agree here. I 100% agree with World Boxing. Uh, the, we saw from the last stream in the World Boxing Super Series for the uh, for the last fight, it was, it was outstanding for, for Garcia of Dorticos. The fight was, the stream was perfect. I mean, they had their issues with the stream and they had their issues with getting this, these fights on, on network television, but he's right here. There was like multiple ways to watch this fight, whether it was Facebook, YouTube, or the website. 
and you can watch on your phone, you can watch on your, your laptop, you can, you know, put it into Chromecast and watch it on your, your big screen. You know, the, the boxing, the one thing with Showtime is they're, they're starting to put fights on, stream fights on Facebook and put more of a digital stamp on it. HBO's a little bit behind there, but, you know, this is what boxing is going to. This is how fans across the, the country and the world are digesting sports now. Is kind of a la carte. So uh, maybe World Boxing Super Series onto something here, and they turned a, a negative uh, into a positive. Here we go here on Twitter hitters. It's the heavyweight champ, George Foreman. Uh, they left me outside, he tweets. <laughs> on February 5th at 9.22 p.m., George Foreman was left outside. Uh, we have to track down one of the five Georges, George's sons, to figure out why they left his dad outside. Is he still out there? Is is he just walking around grilling things? Is he is he in walking into people's homes? I I need to know more information on this because apparently George Foreman has been left outside. But I think the 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 reason for this or the story behind this was that he was on some type of reality show or some type of show and he was live tweeting it and <laughs> he was left outside at some point on the show and that like that's kind of clarifies it but i kind of like the idea of george foreman like just walking around his neighborhood or i don't even think george foreman lives in a neighborhood he probably lives on a massive ranch in texas doesn't even have neighbors but someone bring george foreman inside uh here we go here on twitter hitters here it's adonis stevenson we round out our segment here with some fake news. How do, you, how do you like this? Adonis Stevenson, the fake news has reached all the way to Canada. He tweets, I just want to mention... Wow, look at how he spends... Look at how he spells mention, by the way. I just want to mention that my fight location will not be happening at the Bell Center on May 19th. This is clearly fake news, and the location for my fight hasn't been announced or confirmed yet. Uh, despite the fact that PBC, his promoter, all put out statements, tweets everything that the fight's taking place may 19th at the bell center versus badu jack no that's fake news to adonis stevenson hey listen adonis stevenson's finally facing someone with some talent here he's finally facing a foe here just 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 go along with it adonis just tell everyone that you're fighting at the bell center and to get this all wrapped up we know that he can't leave the country he has to fight in canada so not only does he have to uh, just fight lower opponents and never has to uh, really take on any of these uh mandatories but he also never has to leave his country. He's got a great. Who has it better than Adonis Stevenson right now? But there you go. There's all the Twitter hitters for, for this week. Of course, if you have something or if you see something on Twitter and you want to bring it to our attention, we can have it featured here on Inside Boxing Live. Tweet us at CompuBox. Use the hashtag Twitter hitters. All guests on Inside Boxing Live appear via the Jack Doyle's phone line located just one block away from Penn Station in Madison Square Garden. Jack Doyle's the perfect place to get a drink before or after any big fight or game. And with that, we're going to bring in one of the greatest boxers of all time. Uh, just the second man to win world titles at middleweight and heavyweight. The most searched boxer of all time on YouTube. And just last week, he picked up the final win of his storied career He's the legendary Roy Jones. Roy, how you doing, my man? Doing great, Dan. How you doing? Can't complain. Doing well here in New York City. Uh, now, Roy, you, you, you fought on Thursday night. You wake up here Monday morning here as we uh, tape this show. Has it finally like hit you now that maybe that your career has come to a close? No, it hit me, it hit me Thursday. I mean, I knew what it was, and it's just what it is, you know? What were your feelings when you were making that 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 ring walk and you were uh, the introductions and you made that final ring walk? What was going through your mind there when you fought in front of your hometown fans? 
same focus as normal. Got to win the fight, you know. You don't ever go in and worry about whether it's the first or the last. You just got to win. Because either one could try to be your last. And what people don't realize about boxing, any fight could be your last, especially if you go in there unprepared. So you try to go in as prepared as you can, do what you can to win it, and walk out of there. You looked great in in in, uh, in victory. Uh, t- take us through the fight a little bit. When did you know you could literally do whatever you wanted in there? I knew that before I started. <laughs> right before you even got in there, you knew, right? Yeah, before I got in, I knew I was gonna do anything I want to do whenever I got ready. Is this? Do you think now that that this is it? Do, if you get a call, maybe from someone else, you get a nice offer, maybe overseas, or Dana White calls you once again. He wants you to fight on Fight Pass again. Would you Would you think about maybe coming back? Because of how good it looks in, in the end, I would always think about it, but that's about it. Yeah, you done? Think about it, yeah. yeah. Now, looking back on your career, what do you consider your best win of your, your I don't know. career? It'll be between, it'll be between James Tony, Montero Griffin two, and John Ruiz. Okay, I want to talk to you about, we'll talk about the James Tony fight, 1994. James Tony at that time was considered uh, maybe a pound for pound great, and you were, uh, you know, you made your name in the Olympics and you were up and coming, but you wanted to make a name for yourself that night. You ended up getting the win. Take us through that James Tony fight. Well, the biggest part of that fight was to be the man, you had to be the man. And he was definitely the man at that time. And that was my thing. I wanted to be the man. Therefore, I had to beat the, beat the man. To beat the man, I had to go up and wait to beat the man. So it's like I see a lot of fighters, you know, it's like I don't have nothing against them, but I understand people do things for their own reason. But like when Andre Ward was at 68 and Triple G was at 60, Triple G won a big fight. Well, why you didn't go ahead and make that happen? You feel me? So, I mean, it's, it just that's just a different breed of people, different breed of fighters in nowadays. So, you know, I just that's just how it was. I was. I felt like if you thought – he was the best pound for pound, and I don't care if I'm 20 pounds light with him, I'm going to see him. Now, do you think that that the, the fighters are starting to get away from that, you know, trying to beat yeah, the Yeah, they're getting away from that. Yeah, they're away from that. They don't want, they already want the pound for pound challenge, or they'll go take it. They worry about size. When you when you feel like you're the best, it don't matter about the size. You just go do it. And you talk about the size. You went up to heavyweight. I know we're jumping around here. 2003, you fight uh, Ruiz, John Ruiz, and you win the heavyweight title. You become just the second man ever to go from middleweight to heavyweight. You know, who, who wh- where did that first thought come in your mind that I want to move up to heavyweight? Was that always a goal of yours? No, not at all. I never thought I'd even dream of being a heavyweight. And one night I did have a dream of becoming heavyweight champ. So I said, you know what? But be meant. So let me go see, can I do it? So I went to Atlanta, met with Ivan Holyfield. He said, no, I have too much to lose and not enough to gain. So I don't really want to do it. I said, okay. But well, lo and behold, he loses to John Reese. John Reese says, by the way, I'll fight Roy Jones. I said, well, you will. He said, yeah. I said, cool. Let's do it then. And that's how that happened. Wow. So you were potentially going to face Evander Holyfield. That's who I tried to fight first. Wow. That would have been that would have been pretty. That would have been something. But then mm-hmm. from there, you go back down to light heavyweight. You know, most fighters, you know, they, they add on muscle, which you did to get to heavyweight. And you went back down to light heavy. Talk a little bit about that weight fluctuation, and but you end up getting the win over Tarver. Yeah, I got the win over him right away because I had no engine, no strength, but I still was a strong man. I want, I had a will, I had something in my mind I wanted to do. And I never give up when I got something I want to do. So when I knew I wanted to do, I was going to make go out there and win that fight first because I had to do that to do what I wanted to. And uh, once I did that, that's, that's probably pretty much when I should have probably stopped and took me a two-year break. 
Okay, yeah. I know we're, we're bouncing around here, but here's it was a fight in 2001. I don't know if you remember this fight, or it wasn't like a, a crazy win for you. You had so many great wins, but for me it was pretty wild because it was in Tampa, Florida, 2001 against Derek Harmon at the Ice mm -hmm. Palace. And the mm -hmm. thing that was crazy about this fight, Roy, was I think it was like a perfect storm where it was like every uh, baseball spring training was in town. You had Derek Jeter. A ringside, which for me as a Yankee fan being 13 years old at the time went berserk for that. You had uh, Mariano Rivera in the crowd. You had Ray Lewis there. You had all these superstars there. You know, what was it like to be the fighter that kind of crossed over where, you know, others, all these other athletes wanted to come watch you fight? It was a gift and a, uh, it was a blessing from God. The biggest thing it was a gift and a blessing from God. It was something I, I revered a lot and I thank God for it and it was very beautiful to me. Now, I'm 30 years old, and I grew up in the 90s, and obviously working uh, with CompuBox with my father, I went to a lot of boxing matches in the 90s, which means I saw a lot of Roy Jones fights. And what made you, when I think of the 90s, I think of you, Roy, I think of you rapping into the ring, which every fighter does now. You were kind of the first guy to do that. You were the first boxer to sign with the Jordan brand. You know, you were the first guy to play basketball, and box in the same day. I think you made $300 to play basketball and then 1.5 or 1.7 to box. I mean, talk a little bit about you know, the progression that you had and, and what it was like to be a fighter in the 90s. And do you think you kind of like brought the the, the celebrity side or the entertainer side to the sport of boxing? Well, I raised the bar. You know, I made everybody enjoy the entertainment. I raised the bar so that everybody understand that they want to see somebody that can do other things. I played a basketball game before I boxed. I brought Method Man and Red Man, brought me to the ring once. Whitney Houston sung uh, uh, America the Beautiful. I, mean, I did a lot of things in Radio City Music Hall. First person to take rap music yep. in Radio City Music Hall and boxing. I did a lot of things. I was the first there, and that's what I really wanted to do in my career. I wanted to be a guy who set the bar and make a lot of things be first. You take great pride in that, and, and you look at the fighters today, and and a lot of these young fans today, they, they search you on YouTube. And how many people come up to you, and they just they, they want to talk about y'all must have forgot, or they want to talk about can't be touched, before they want to talk about you know some of the most legendary nights of your career? <laughs> a whole lot of them do that, too, because that's what they know me from. A lot of them, that's the only thing they really know me from is from those things. Did you ever think that, you know, y'all must have forgot, or you know can't be touched would have upwards of over 100 million views on YouTube? Never had a clue. Never had a clue. <laughs> when you were recording, y'all must have forgot. You know, yeah, what do you think? It was just going to be like another, just another rap song? Or do you think it was That's like... What, I thought it would be another rap song. I never thought it would last. Neither one would last this long. I know. I just looked on YouTube and 138 million views. Mm -hmm. Never thought in no way in the world I have a boxer that have a song with 138 million views. <laughs> That's why you're the best, Roy. And I, yeah. I want to bring up one thing here. 1995, you take on Vinny Pezienza. And in that fight, from a number standpoint, because we love the numbers here at CompuBox, the only title fight in which you're a, a fighter did not land a single punch. In yep, a round. In, in a round. That's right. That's right. But they tell you that Floyd Mill was the best defensive fighter ever. But look at you to another Hall of Fame fighter that did not land a punch against another Hall of Fame fighter in a whole three-minute round. But they'll tell you all these other fighters are the best defensive fighter, how can it be that I'm the first one to ever have a person not ever land a punch in a whole round, another Hall of Fame career-type fighter, not just a bomb, another Hall of Famer. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm hearing it in your voice, Roy. I mean, you're not talking like someone that's like you're, that's exactly done. You 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 got the competitive juices are always going to be flowing for you. Is that right? <laughs> that's always. <laughs> this is how you're always going to be, right? That's always. That's always. All right, now then, you've been broadcasting with HBO and various other companies for a very long time, and you've become a outstanding broadcaster, one of the best in the game. Thank you, my brother. No, no problem. Uh, what have you learned from uh, Jim Lampley as a broadcaster? Uh, just that. He is the best at what he does. That's the main thing I've learned from him. He's the best at what he does. And uh, he projects his voice with a beautiful tone. He always speaks in a way that people can understand him and understand the importance of what he's saying in his voice. So you learn a lot of things about his voice and a lot of things about his memory. He remembers things. Like he can look at something and he has a photographic memory. And that's something that he's kind of like, does he like take you that's under his weird. wing? Yeah, he takes taking on his wing because we 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 kind of we help one another. We 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 feed off one another. You know, he knows the 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 the, the technical part of it. I know the true boxing part of it. So it's like we he knows how to bring it the, the best from a fan's point of view, and I know how to give it back to him the best from a professional's point of view at, at boxing. So we, we work well together. We complement one another. Yeah, I agree with that. Now um, I know that he's been following your career as you you fought on here. That you talked to Jim before the fight or after the fight. Yeah, I talked to him. He sent me a beautiful message afterwards. Was it? What did he tell you uh, if you were on Shannon? Just that he's glad I had a beautiful career and that he was great to be a part of it, glad to be a part of it, and hope that our commentary career will go even further. Oh, I would, I would like that. But uh, Triple G, yeah. Triple G Canelo, May 5th, you'll be ringside calling the fight for, mm -hmm. for HBO. Uh, how did you see the first one shaking out, and what do you think we can expect here in the uh, rematch? Well, I saw the first one was a good fight, very good fight, a fight that I thought uh, either fighter could have won the decision because I thought Canelo boxed beautifully. I thought Triple G stalked and tried to box beautifully. Uh, Canelo made him change a lot of things, and that was very good. So I look forward to a beautiful fight in the second one, but I want to see who can make the better adjustments. That'll let me know who has a better team. Yeah, you, you had Canelo in there. Canelo had him up against the ropes, didn't throw, didn't make him, no, I'm sorry, Triple G had him up against the ropes, didn't make him pay when he was up against the ropes. Do you expect Triple G to come out a little more aggressive here, knowing no, that he might have he to get him out? No, no, he didn't make him pay because he couldn't make him pay. Canelo has a superior defense. He couldn't make him pay. And either he didn't make him pay, he couldn't make him pay because of Canelo's superior defense and Canelo wouldn't give him no head shots. So he couldn't make him pay. Joining us right now is the legendary Roy Jones on the Jack Doyle's uh, party line here. Um, now, the heavyweight division. You were once the heavyweight champion of the world, and it's a division in boxing that's starting to heat up here, and it's headlined by Anthony Joshua, Deontay Wilder. What are your thoughts uh, currently on the heavyweights? I love the heavyweight division now. Uh, Deontay Wilder is definitely the top dog right now. Joshua probably a close second. Uh, the kid he's fighting Parker. Parker is very good. Uh, the uh, Andrew Reese kid is very good. There are a lot of good heavyweights on the horizon right now. So I'm looking for the, the division to make a big splash within the next two to five years. What makes you uh, put Wilder over Joshua? Just because of his punching power. And I saw Chris Cole drop, Wilder, drop, drop Joshua with that straight right hand. Yeah. And to me, Wilder has a better straight right hand than Chris Cole. So that's why he's, he's been there the longest. So that's why he's the, demand, he's the dominating dog right now because he had his belt longer than uh, Joshua or anybody else right now. What would you say the, the environment for, for Joshua Klitschko was like? Would you compare it to anything I was else? One of, the best, one of the best ever. One of the best heavyweight environments I've ever seen. It was it was something, man. And then uh, yes. we, we've had Buffer on the show. He said it was uh, the yes. fight of the year. Would you say that was your fight of the year? Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Now, Roy, I know you're, you're spending your day here on Monday, and we want to get you on your way but uh just looking back on your career 
20 uh you know 29 years over 75 fights you know is there anything that you felt like you could have accomplished more or, or just sum up your career uh of roy jones I know I did. I had a great career. I did what I wanted to do the way I wanted to do it. Even in my last fight, I had a torn bicep two weeks before I fought, and I still went through my fight. So I'm not a guy that pulls out of fights easy. Uh, I'm the kind of person that I did whatever was necessary to be done. I never failed making a weight. I never failed doing anything that I was supposed to. I handled my career like a true professional, and I'm very proud of my career. Roy, it was been amazing to watch you all these years. Uh, I grew up with you in the ring, and uh I uh, continue to work with you here at HBO. It's been an honor. And uh, first of all, congratulations on a wonderful career. I wish you the best of luck, whatever you do next, and we'll see you ringside soon. Thank you, my brother. Good to talk to you. All right, take care. Right. There it is, the legend, Roy Jones. Wow. Uh, interesting stuff there. I mean, biggest takeaway from that interview was that he wasn't talking like a fighter that is done. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but he even said it himself that, you know, what do we got here? Y'all must have forgot. Yeah, exactly. I don't... When we were talking with him, I didn't. it didn't sound to me like he was a guy that was... He still has those competitive juices flowing, is what I should say. And uh, it's give, you know, it's only been four days since his last fight, so maybe a couple months from now... He'll, uh, he'll have a different outlook, but he's a competitor. He's a competitor, and what a career, man. Just from, you know, do, making these rap songs and rapping himself into the ring. First fighter to do that. First fighter to record music at Radio City Hall and fight at Radio City Hall. First boxer to sign with the Jordan brand. You know, Roy Jones is, is the 90s. You know, he's, he's boxing's fighter of the decade in the 90s. You can say Oscar De La Hoya, maybe. Maybe uh, shades of Mike Tyson, maybe Vander Holyfield, but to me it was it was Roy. In uh, from the big fights to the to what he did in the ring, the showboating and becoming a sensation on YouTube and everything about him, you know, uh, it was really a pleasure to watch uh, Roy Jones do his thing, and hopefully uh, we see more of him uh, ringside as a broadcaster uh, for for HBO. The great Roy Jones Jr. joins us inside Boxing Live. All right, that's a wrap on episode number 11 of Inside Boxing Live. A special thanks to all of our guests that appear via the Jack Doyle's phone line. Tom Loeffler, Dave Portnoy, Barstool Sports, and the legendary Roy Jones Jr. Catch us uh, down the road on another episode of Inside Boxing Live. A special thanks to our producer, Nick Canobio, our executive producer, Bob Canobio. Be sure to download all these podcasts on iTunes, Google, uh, anywhere the OG Podcast Network, anywhere you get your, your podcast, you can enjoy Inside Box Live. We'll see you next time, folks.